You're standing in line at the big box store. A lady in the next line falls to the floor. She's unresponsive and isn't breathing. Are you willing to help? Would you know what to do? We'll make it simple when we come back. Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Well, hello and welcome to the podcast. We're glad you're here with us today. We certainly appreciate you taking your time and joining us, and we hope it's well worth your time. Now, I've been in training all week, and I want to share that with you, but first, a little bit of housekeeping. Remember that we are now three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, instead of doing a daily podcast. But we do have the interactive blog on the website if we need to address something between Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, or on the weekend. And sometimes we post a tip or something of interest there. And don't forget, if you're not already signed up, sign up for the Practical Prepping Podcast newsletter. It comes out every two or three weeks. And just go to the website, click on contact, mention the newsletter, and we'll get you signed up. Or you can email direct at info at practicalprepping.info. We also want to take a moment to thank those of you who supported the podcast by starting your Amazon shopping from practicalprepping.info. Just click on the Amazon banner and then shop as you normally would. It costs you nothing extra, but it pays us a little commission to support the podcast and the newsletter. And if you'd like to buy us a cup of coffee, and you know how we like our coffee, there's a link on there for that as well. Now, as I've said, I've been in in in-service training all week. Now, we've had a few classes a bit of hands-on, some more fun stuff, and then the ultimate, a paid day on the range with ammo provided, and that's for handgun and rifle. Every two years, we recertify in CPR and AED usage, but this year we did something different, and its effectiveness is based on data, and I like it. Now, I'd not heard of it, but apparently it's been taught by the American Heart Association for several years, and it really does make sense. It's called hands-only CPR, and it's just that, hands-only CPR. No more mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, no more 5-to-1 or 15-to-2 or 30-to-2 ratios, no more counting compressions. It's almost CPR for dummies. It's really that simple. And we want to share it with you, but let's take just a second to thank our sponsors today, and that is ProLine Digital Group, Jim Curtis Knives, and the Base Handgun Training System. We certainly appreciate their support. CPR is used for sudden cardiac arrest. Basically, that's when the heart stops, and it stops suddenly. Now, 475,000 people die per year because of sudden cardiac arrest. And I know you don't like stats any more than I do, but I'm going to give you these anyway. 
That's 350,000 adults. And get this, 7,000 pediatric patients. 7,000 kids, teens, up to young adults. 7,000 per year. Now, it occurs in children. It occurs in young adults. Did you know that on average, one young athlete dies every 72 hours? Coaches and parents, does that raise an alarm? Does that mean that we need to be prepared for sudden cardiac arrest? Now, in adults, and these numbers are taken really from my region, the healthcare region in which we live, 19% of adults suffering sudden cardiac arrest occurs in public. 70% occurs at home. Now, it occurs in all ages, infant to elderly. It can occur any time of the day. It can occur any time of the week, any month of the year. Now, here is some facts. These are absolute facts. They are taken from the American Heart Association data. And one is that every minute CPR is delayed decreases survival chances by 10%. So if your loved one experiences a sudden cardiac arrest at home and you dial 911 or whatever the code is in your country to get emergency medical help to come to your house and it takes five minutes, which is actually a very short response time for EMS, at least in the south and in our area, because there's quite a distance between where they are and where they need to be, but even a five-minute response time reduces the chances of survival by 50%. Here's an interesting statistic. Nearly 45% survive when bystander CPR is administered in a witnessed cardiac arrest. That comes from the AHA data here in this state, Alabama, and in our region in North Alabama. And those are the numbers. Now, a witnessed cardiac arrest is Not when you go in and find them having been laying on the floor for some period of time or they died in bed and you find them and they've actually been dead for a while. This is when it is witnessed. Basically, you're talking to them and they fall on the floor. They're standing in line at the big box store and they fall on the floor. That's witnessed. When you add in bystander AED, automatic electric defibrillator, That increased survival by 49%. But now here's something kind of scary. OSHA reports that 10,000 sudden cardiac arrest occurs every month in the workplace. 50% of people cannot locate the AED in their workplace. Sometimes it's in a locked closet. Sometimes it's in a cabinet in someone's office. And it's there because that's where we keep it. It needs to be out to where it can be accessed by anyone. And they're actually very, very easy to use. Now, what an AED or an automatic electric defibrillator does is it shocks the heart from two deadly heart rhythms. That is ventricular fibrillation and ventricular tachycardia. Both of those will kill you. You go from that and it 
over time it diminishes and then you've got that flat line. And once you hit that flat line, there's not a lot of chance that you're coming back. Now let's talk about the AED for a minute. You can't mess up, folks, with these things. The pads have the instructions printed on them, and it has diagrams to show you where to put them. One goes on the shoulder, one goes on the lower rib cage. It even has instructions on there for using them on pediatric, and that one's really easy. You put one on the front and one on the back of the baby, don't let the pads touch, and that's good. That's all you have to do. You put the pads on and plug those pads into the AED. It's just a cord coming off of those. It's like a headphone cord, if you would. It goes out, splits, so that one can go one place, one can go to the other, and it comes down to a single plug that plugs into the AED. And you turn it on, and the machine gives verbal instructions. It tells you where to place the pads. And if you're doing CPR, which you should already be doing, someone should be doing CPR while someone else is getting the AED operational, the machine gives you verbal instructions of where to place the pads and when to stop CPR so it can analyze the rhythm. It has to see what's going on without the compressions. And then it'll say one of two things. It'll say shock advised if it recognizes one of the two rhythms ventricular fibrillation or ventricular tachycardia, also known as V-fib or V-tac, and that's a lot easier to say, to be honest. It'll say shock advised, and it will tell you to stand clear and administer shock, and all you need to do is make sure you or no one else is touching the patient. Trust me on this. You don't want to be touching that patient, and then push the button, and that will shock them. Now, it's not like TV where they bounce up a foot and a half off the ground, okay? They'll they'll jump a little bit, but they're not coming off the ground. It's not that violent, but they do jump. And don't let that scare you. It's normal. But don't be afraid to use it. Now, the second thing that it can say is shock not advised. Now, it says that if it doesn't recognize V-fib or V-tac. So this is almost AED for dummies. I mean, this thing was made so that anyone could use it whether or not they have medical training. And this thing saves lives. So if I were you, I would find out where mine is at work. A lot of churches have them. A lot of schools have them. And you need to know where that is. And if you've never seen inside one, find someone that knows and get them to show you around that thing. Get them to let you open it up, take the pads out. Don't stick them on anything, but you'll get the idea. You'll see how it goes together. Now, let's go back to CPR for a minute. This is one reason I like the hands-only CPR. See, here's some reasons or some common fears and why people won't do CPR. They see it in the dispatch center a lot of times when someone calls in and there's someone that is not breathing and unresponsive. They try to give them verbal instructions to do CPR, and a lot of people just flat refuse. And there's some reasons for that, and some studies have looked into that. One is there's the fear of being sued. But one of the good things about this is we have in all 50 states in the United States and in other places in the world, uh, you have something similar. 
and just just check on what it is. There may be some countries that don't have anything like this. And we have the Good Samaritan Law. And that basically says that if you are in good faith attempting to assist this person and you're not charging them for it, it has to be free gratis, you're not charging them for it, you are protected. If you're charging for your services, then you're open to liability on any type of mistakes that you might make. But if you make a mistake in good faith while trying to administer aid, at least in the United States, you are protected in the event of a lawsuit. So there's that fear. There's also the fear of hurting the victim. Remember we said that cardiac arrest is when the heart stops beating? So they are clinically dead. How much more can you hurt them? Uh, You might break a rib especially in elderly folks. And I've done that a number of times. And really all you're doing is popping it out of the cartilage. But otherwise, they're dead. So don't be afraid to do it. And to be honest, I'd rather have rib pain later than be dead. I don't know about you, but I think I can deal with the rib pain preferable to death. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm prepared for death. Once I die, I know what's coming after that. Those preparations were made a long time ago, and that's by placing my trust in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I am not worried about what happens after death. But until that time comes, I'd still rather have rib pain because somebody broke ribs trying to do CPR than I had to be dead. Another thing is fear of catching a disease. One of the ones that a lot of folks would mention today is COVID. But, you know, COVID spread through the respiratory system, and we said these folks are unresponsive and not breathing. I was talking with the instructor of this particular course, who's been a paramedic for a long time. He's been an instructor. He's an evaluator. The guy knows his stuff. And he says that there is no known case of COVID being caught through CPR. And I can't really think of any disease that's been passed on because of doing CPR. So don't be afraid of catching a disease, especially when we're talking about hands-only CPR. Your face is not in their face. Depending on how long your arms are, you're foot and a half, two feet from them. Uh, These things, I can get out almost three feet from them. Now, this one is kind of sensitive in the United States, and it's much less so in a lot of other parts of the world, and that is the fear of revealing a female's anatomy or of inappropriate touching, particularly when putting on the AED pads. See, you have to open that shirt. You have to get to bare skin to be able to put those pads on. And as a medic, you know, we used to just literally take a pair of scissors and run right up the brows and right through the bra and everything. That way we've got easy access for doing CPR. You've got a place to put the pads. We used to use 12 lead EKGs. We use the life pack type defibrillators and you put three pads on them. You need access to that bare skin. There was a national study done with 20,000 people. 
And in that study, 23% more men survive than women, and 39% of the women receiving bystander CPR survived, but 45% of men receiving bystander CPR survived. Part of that may be because of that fear of revealing someone else. Now, ladies, I don't know about you, but I think this would be a time to have a talk with my family and say, look, if I need CPR, you go ahead and show the world. Don't worry about it. If you need to do it to be able to do CPR or be able to put on a defibrillator pad, you go ahead and do that. That's just my thoughts on that. Now, my first wife used to say that, and she was in a very serious traffic accident one time, and she said, once you've had all your clothes cut off on the side of the road, you don't worry about modesty anymore. And see, part of the point was they were fighting for her life, and they needed to get to every injury that she had. So that's one thing that we've got to get over here in the United States is a fear of revealing a female's anatomy or feeling like it's inappropriate touching because we're doing CPR trying to save their life. Now, here's a big one that we see, the fear of doing it wrong. This is one time to take a chance. Hands-only CPR is basically putting your hands in the center of the chest pushing down about five centimeters, and that's pretty much all the way till it stops, and do it at a rate of around 110, 120 beats per minute or compressions per minute. And that's twice per second. And that may sound kind of fast, but it's really not. And for those of you that are old enough, if you remember the song Staying Alive, if you'll sing that in your head while you're doing compressions, and do compressions in sync with the beat of the music, it will keep you around 110 beats per minute. The worst thing you can do is nothing. They will die without help, and you can be that help. Now, if you're not CPR certified, or if you haven't practiced in a while, find a class. Check out the hands-only CPR course from the American Heart Association. Learn CPR. Learn to use an AED. Like I said, they're in many places of work, churches, schools. They're even in shopping centers now. And some businesses just have them there just in case a customer experiences sudden cardiac arrest. So learn to do that. Please, please do this. The life you save might be one of your loved ones. Thank you for being here, and we'll see you next time. We certainly appreciate those of you that have emailed us and been so encouraging. We certainly appreciate getting those. We enjoy getting those, and it is encouraging because at times this can become a little bit laborious, but we love it, and we do it for you. So feel free to email us anytime. It may take us just a little bit to get back to you, but we'll answer your email. And we just wanted to take a second to say thank you for doing that. And you can contact us at info at practicalprepping.info or go to the website www.practicalprepping.info.